We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 436 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, November 4th, 2022. Jeff Bezos, Jay-Z, come on down. Boy, <laughs> that did not take long. Uh, we on Wednesday morning, of course, had the monster news that Commander's co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, are at the very least exploring a sale of the team, if not outright selling the team. Uh, they have hired B of A Securities, aka Bank of America, quote, to consider potential transactions, end quote. Well, we on Thursday already had a number of reports of potential buyers of the commanders, including, yes, this dream team, at least for some, of Jeff Bezos who turned Amazon into the monstrosity that it is, and Jay-Z, one of the single most successful people in the history of music. Report from People.com, quote, Jeff Bezos is interested in purchasing the Washington Commanders, a source close to the billionaire, tells People. Bezos is considering making the purchase possibly in partnership with Jay-Z, according to the insider, end quote. Report from TMZ Sports, quote, Jay-Z and Jeff Bezos, two of the most successful men in America, are interested in buying the Washington Commanders in light of owner Dan Snyder's interest in selling the NFL team. Sources tell TMZ Sports, and we're told a partnership between the men is on the table, end quote. Uncle Jeff Uncle Jay-Z, come save us, please. Hello and welcome to this Football Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I feel like we probably need to pace ourselves with who could buy the commanders, but how do you pace yourself? How do you not get excited by the possibilities of who could buy the team and what could be coming? Uh, I know that this entire process, whatever it ends up being, could take a while, but I also think that it's quite possible that the process moves quickly. I think that the list of potential buyers of the team is going to end up being very long. Uh, the commanders, even with all of their problems, were in August ranked by Forbes as being the sixth 
most valuable franchise in the NFL. The team, despite all of the dysfunction, all of the screw-ups, the number six most valuable franchise in the NFL. Imagine what could be with great ownership. And I think these Richie Riches see this franchise as a sleeping giant to say nothing of, hey, it is an NFL franchise and every NFL team is desirable. But the possibilities of what a smart, filthy rich new owner could do with the commanders from both football and business standpoints in this market, in this oh-so-lucrative Washington, D.C. market, are endless. I mean, our team, for all of the jokes, okay, should be desired, should be a hot commodity. And I do think that we are going to see that. Heck, I think that we're already seeing that. Uh, Another potential buyer of the Commanders, whose name already has been out there, is this guy Byron Allen. Uh, He is a media entrepreneur. He reportedly plans to pursue the Commanders. Uh, Who would make for an actual good owner for the Commanders, and who wouldn't? Who knows? I mean, Jeff Bezos is obviously at an absurd level of wealth, but would he be a better owner than, say, Byron Allen would be? I don't know. I don't know how you do know, but what certainly appears to be the case is that These potential buyers, they want the whole team. They don't want to be Dan Snyder's minority partner. Uh, That's why it is hard to see the potential transaction ultimately being just a sale of a minority share of the team. Like, what absurdly wealthy, massive, ego-having Richie Rich is going to want to be Dan's partner? But, of course, Nothing is set in stone. Uh, By the way, there is history between Jay-Z and the Commanders, sort of. Uh, Jay-Z in 2008 founded Rock Nation. Uh, Rock Nation is a full-service agency and sports and entertainment empire. Uh, Rock Nation, in August 2019, entered into a partnership with the NFL. And Washington, in November 2020, hired this guy, Greg Resch. Uh, He was the CFO of Rock Nation from April 2018 to March 2020, although he resigned from the Commanders this past September. Uh, Anyway, big game for the Commanders, whoever their owner may end up being. This Sunday, uh, the 4-4 Commanders host the 6-1 Minnesota Vikings Sunday afternoon at 1. Coming up on the show, in-depth preview of the game. I have the latest on injuries, including some not-so-good news for the Commanders regarding receiver Jahan Dodson, running back J.D. McKissick, and linebacker Cole Holcomb. I've got comments from offensive coordinator Scott Turner and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio from post-practice press conferences on Thursday afternoon on various happenings with the Commanders offense and defense. Have a good guest with whom we will conduct a deep dive on the Vikings. Matthew Caller, the host of a Vikings podcast, Purple Insider with Matthew Caller. Uh, He also is the founder of PurpleInsider.com. He has a lot to say about the Vikings starting quarterback, former Redskins quarterback, Kirk Cousins, as well as good insight on the Vikings head coach, former Skins offensive assistant Kevin O'Connell. I will give you my rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Vikings, and they'll give you a prediction for the game. Also on the show, Goldilocks for College Football Week 10. Previews and picks for Maryland at Wisconsin Saturday at noon. Liberty at Arkansas Saturday afternoon at 4. Virginia home to number 17 North Carolina Saturday at noon. Virginia Tech home to Georgia Tech Saturday afternoon at 12.30, and Navy at Cincinnati Saturday afternoon at 4. And I on the show will talk Capitals. Uh, They on Thursday night did lose 3-1 
at the Detroit Red Wings. But we had yet another milestone goal for forward Alex Ovechkin. He moved into a tie with Red Wings legend Gordie Howe for the most regular season goals scored with one franchise in NHL history. The Great Eight tied Mr. Hockey. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The feedback to Dan and Tanya Snyder exploring a sale of the commanders, if not outright selling the team, continues to pour in. Email from Dr. George Verghese of the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, writes Dr. Verghese, hopefully this dream comes true. This team meant everything in the past and now not so much. I just passed an Amazon Prime truck driving to work. The Washington Prime, Elon Musk. Uh, thank you for the email, Dr. Verghese. Yeah, I think that we are going to hear about all kinds of celebrity Richie Riches potentially buying the commanders. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Jay-Z, Elon Musk. Uh, people over the years have speculated that Peyton Manning might want to become an NFL owner. Could Peyton potentially be part of a group to buy the commanders. Uh, A lot to be thinking about, but I fully expect to hear and read about a lot of people being interested in buying the team, and people should be interested in buying the team. Uh, Email from Michael Carr. With another owner, do you think there's a chance of another rebrand? Most fans seem to want it and still hate the commander's name. I can't emotionally attach myself Two commanders. Uh, Thank you for the email, Michael. I know that you are not alone uh, in that feeling. You know, at this point, I don't think that you can dismiss anything. That said, I don't know that the NFL would want the team changing its name yet again, Uh, especially considering that, at least according to reports, the team's sponsorship revenue is up. Uh, I know that that may be hard to believe, but the team in August struck this deal with SeatGeek, that reportedly is a monster deal, a four-year deal worth between $10 million and $12 million annually. Uh, if those reports are accurate, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense to rock the boat and change the name again and change the brand again, uh, even though I know not everyone likes Commanders. Uh, email from Stephen Robertson. Right, Stephen. Great show. If the Commanders are sold, how long of a honeymoon period will the new owner get from the fans to fix the team? Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you for that, Stephen. Well, I guess it depends on what you mean by honeymoon period. Would people be livid if the new owner didn't win a Super Bowl in year one? No. But would there be criticism if in year one we saw, say, the off-the-field screw-ups that we've become accustomed to? Absolutely. Uh, If the commanders got a new owner, and we in the first year with that new owner had, oh, I don't know, the names of Redskins all-time greats being misspelled, and photos of families of Redskins legends being taken in front of porta-potties, and a check for a 50-50 raffle winner bouncing. Uh, Yeah, there would be criticism, and the criticism would be justified. Look, the team has had a lot of problems. Some of the problems will take time to fix, but other problems can be fixed right away. And the problems that can be fixed right away, you would expect to be fixed right away, and you would be right to expect them to be fixed right away. Uh, Email from Kendall Coates on former Redskins quarterback and current ESPN, NFL, and college football analyst Robert Griffin III. Uh, Writes Kendall, Al, can you please explain to me (laughs) why RG3 is such a loon 
First, he had a tell-all book that he ended up not putting out. Second, he wanted to come back and play for the team. Third, he wanted to come back and be a mentor for Sam Howell. Now he wants to be a minority owner of the team. Was he jumping on the I hate Dan bandwagon or did someone actually diddle his beanbag? Seems a little fishy to me. Anyway, keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you for that, Kendall. Yeah, uh, RG3, he on Wednesday was tweeting about wanting to be a minority owner of the Commanders and wanting to, as he put it in a video, quote, bring 10 fans along for the ride and they don't have to pay anything, end quote. Uh, Look, RG3 now is uh, one of my brethren, okay? He is a media personality. He is an entertainer. You have to take everything that he says and tweets with a grain of salt. I actually think that Robert's very good on TV. He has opinions. He comes across well. But, you know, he still is RG3, okay? And we here in the Washington, D.C. area know what that means. He still has this thing to where he comes off more as a persona than he does as a person. There's a lack of authenticity with him. And there's very much a sense of he says whatever he feels like he has to say in the moment. And you know what? That actually can work very well on TV. Uh, Just don't take anything that he says too seriously. Well, something that you, of course, should take seriously is which law firm should represent you if you have been victimized by the negligence of someone else? And the answer is Paulson and Nace. Uh, No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. If you have a case, contact Paulson and and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused the client's harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Heck, take a case that was recently concluded. Paulson and Nace in July won a case for which the United States government was paying nearly $1.8 million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Paulson and Nace defeated the U.S. government. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can schedule that no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. 
Paulson and Ace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Ace. This podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, is a success because of you. So thank you. Uh, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you're not already doing that, subscribing costs you nothing. And make sure that each episode is automatically downloaded right to your device. Uh, also, ratings and reviews help out a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying, that you like the podcast. Uh, well, what has been a big week for the Commanders is going to conclude with a big game. Uh, although, I guess, technically, Sunday is the first day of the week, not the last day of the week, even though Sunday is the last day of the weekend. We need to change that at some point. Weeks on calendars should be Monday through Sunday, not Sunday through Saturday. Why are we still doing Sunday through Saturday? Anyway, the 4-4 four and four Commanders versus the Six and one Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. Next segment, I'll talk Commanders defense right now. The Commanders offense, and it is looking like receiver Jahan Dodson is about to miss a fifth consecutive game due to his hamstring injury. Uh, He on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. Running back J.D. McKissick on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to a neck issue. Uh, so the commanders for this game against the Vikings could be without both Dotson and McKissick. Uh, tight end Logan Thomas on Thursday, a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to the calf injury from which he and the commanders last game, the 17-16 win at the Indianapolis Colts last Sunday, returned from a three-game absence. Uh, here was some very encouraging news. Tight end Cole Turner on Thursday was a full participant in practice off on Wednesday, having been a limited participant in practice due to the concussion that had him inactive for the win at the Colts. And center Tyler Larson on Thursday was on the injury report with a back issue, but he was listed as a full participant in practice for a second consecutive day. For the Vikings, a key defensive player, interior defensive lineman Dalvin Tomlinson, he on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to a calf issue. But how about this Jahan Dodson situation. Commander's offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Thursday did a post-practice press conference. This was Scott on what's going on with Jahan Dotson. Yeah, I I mean, I leave that up to the trainers. I think he'll be back fairly soon. I, obviously, I don't know if it's going to be this week. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, you he's never had an issue like that. So sometimes when a guy hasn't had soft tissue and then they have one for the first time, they kind of just got to get over that. Uh, but he'll be back. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be quicker than, uh, than I think it's not something that I'm, I'm worried about. It's just one of the unfortunate parts of the game. You know what I mean? That we, we got injuries and we got guys that got to step up and, and we will. Well, I'm sure that Jahan Dodson is disappointed, just like we all are disappointed with him having missed so many games due to this hamstring injury. The silver lining, though, is that his return, whenever it happens, uh, could be a big boost for the commander's offense. His return certainly is something to look forward to, uh, again, whenever it happens. But the commanders during Jahan's four-game absence are 3-1. and one. Uh, Their offense has been far from great, but the offense in the win at the Colts uh, was good enough, uh, thanks in large part to, yes, the quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Uh, the commanders in that win at the Colts overcame a 16-7 fourth quarter deficit via 10 unanswered points over the team's 
final two offensive drives. Taylor, over those final two offensive drives, 12 of 14 for 151 yards and four carries for 15 yards and a touchdown. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on what clicked for Taylor Heineke over the commander's final two offensive drives in the win at the Colts. It wasn't just him. I mean, you know, it was, you know, we, we had some plays. I mean, the, the third drive of the game was as good as you can get. We didn't have third downs. We just go right down the field and score. And then we had other drives in the first half where we got, you know, 20, 25 yards. And then, you know, we just couldn't convert on third downs. And that's been our issue in other games this season as well. I mean, we, we had a little bit of resurgence where we did better on third downs in Green Bay, especially in the second half. And you saw we were able to move the ball and score points. Um, and then this past game, you know, we just struggled on third downs and we got to stay on the field. And I already talked about, you know, the run game. I think we can get some more production there. Um, but, like, you look at the course of the game, and we were, you know, at Taylor's nine, nine yards in attempt. I mean, it's pretty good. Um, you know, we just – we couldn't sustain. And then, you know, at the end of the game, you know, it's – you don't have a choice. And, uh, you know, we converted two fourth downs um, on both of those drives, which was which was huge. I mean, obviously, the third down issue was still an issue. Um, but we got, the, we got the first down on fourth down. Um and, and he kept some plays alive, um, you know, and, and just on uh, the whole offense, you know, the, the urgency. We just have to have that sense of urgency early, you know, early in games because um, obviously we're capable of doing it. Uh, we just need to be more consistent. Yes, you do. You heard Scott Turner right there emphasize the importance of the commander's offense needing to be better on third downs. The commanders in the win at the Colts went just 2 at 12 on third downs. Uh, the commanders through week eight were tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for just 25th out of 32 NFL teams in third down efficiency for the 2022 regular season, 34.6%. Not good. Uh, this was Scott on Thursday afternoon on if sustained offensive drives allow him to get into a rhythm as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, for sure. It's just, you know, you have this list of plays you want to get called and you, you don't you don't get a third down, then you got to kind of start over, you know, and um, stuff bounces off each other. So, it, you know, it does. It, not only me, but like the line, it gets them to get in the rhythm of coming off the ball and mixing the run in the pass. And, you know, the, the quarterback, you know, playing multiple plays in a row, the, the running backs of finishing downhill. I mean, just our offense in general. I mean, you know, big plays. Um, you know, we had the big play to Terry uh, on the, the jerk route on the 42-yard gain that led to the touchdown. Obviously, those help you scoring. But um, converting third downs, when we convert third downs consistently, you know, we've gotten ourselves to where we can score points, whether it's be touchdowns or field goals. And that's just, like I said, that's just something that we, we got to continue to improve on. Yeah, the overall offensive rankings for the Commanders remain quite bad. Uh, the team through Week 8 had the following rankings per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. 30th in the NFL in total offense. 28th in the NFL in passing offense. 30th in the NFL in rushing offense. Speaking of that rushing offense, gotta get running back Brian Robinson Jr. going. Uh, Robinson over his four NFL regular season games is averaging just 3.24 yards per carry over 54 carries. Uh, he and the win at the Colts had eight carries for just 20 yards and was not targeted in the passing game and playing on 25% of the commander's offensive snaps. Robinson in the second quarter had back-to-back -back carries that totaled 14 yards. Each carry was a 70-yard run, but his other six carries in the game totaled just six yards. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on what he can do to get Brian Robinson Jr. going. 
Um, no, it's. I don't know if it's anything we can do necessarily. There was a couple, you know, and I, and I stuck with the, you know, or we stuck with the run um, because we were really close on a couple plays. Uh, maybe one block here or finish a block, um, and you could see that on the field as well as you know on the pictures. Um, so we you know felt good about that. Um, you know, we weren't able to to do that. I mean, I think we mixed the run scheme stuff. You know, we had some good looks. Uh, we just you know weren't able to get it done for whatever reason. Um, like we like we wanted to, but uh, we're real close in that department, and you know obviously ran the ball pretty well the uh, the week before. Um, so I feel good about that, about that going forward. Some games, you know, game like I've said this before, guys, games are going to come up different. Notable that Scott Turner addressed the run heavy nature of the Commanders' offense in the win at the Colts. I did think that Scott and the game was too run heavy and too conservative with his play calling, but like he indicated, the game plan for each game is different. Uh, Something that would help the commander's offense would be some production at tight end. Uh, The commanders this season have gotten way too little at tight end. Now, injury has been a big part of that. Uh, Cole Turner for the win at the Colts, inactive due to a concussion that he suffered in the win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7. Logan Thomas in the win at the Colts returned from a three-game absence caused by a calf injury. However, he did not start the game, and he was not targeted in the game. He did play on 56% of the commander's offensive snaps. John Bates in the win at the Colts, one reception for six yards on one target and playing on 33% of the commander's offensive snaps. Armani Rogers in the win at the Colts, one reception for 13 yards on two targets and playing on 36% of the commander's offensive snaps, though his lone reception was a big one. Uh, the commander's 10th offensive drive, 12 plays, 82 yards, consumed six minutes, 17 seconds, off the clock resulted in kicker Joey Sly's fourth quarter 28-yard field goal to cut the Colts' lead to 16-10. The eighth snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, first and 10, 13-yard under center play action completion to Armani Rogers. Uh, by the way, the commanders for each of their last two games have elevated fullback slash tight end Alex Arma from the practice squad to the active roster, but just not much happening at tight end For the Commanders this season, Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on the season that the Commanders are having at the tight end position. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've had, you know, a lot of different guys play. We have guys banged up um, in and out of the lineup. I think that group has continued to get better. John and Logan are getting healthy. Armani's the guy that's been consistent throughout, and you've seen kind of his growth. Um, He plays so fast. You know, we got him that screen that was a big play. Um, on that field goal drive, you know, the second to last drive of the game. Um, he's a physical player, and he's, you know, um, he's a guy that he's like a coach, like coaching 101 is like if you're going to make a mistake to 100 miles an hour, and he's like that person personified. Um, and he's been that way from the moment he got here. And, and then as he's gotten more reps, you know, he's made less mistakes. He's doing things the right way. Uh, and he's got a chance to be a, a, a very good player. So I'm excited about him. And then, you know, we'll see on Cole um, as far as the health goes. But I, I like the group. It would be great to have them all healthy and kind of interchange them. But as of so far, it's been kind of play the guys that are available. Yes, it has been. And that goes back to training camp and the preseason. The Commanders have had a very bad 2022 in terms of injury luck at tight end. Uh, The team also has dealt with a good bit of injury along the offensive line, which also has featured a benching, but is the guy who got benched now back as a starter. Uh, Trey Turner for the win 
at the Colts was the commander starting right guard for the first time since getting benched in the first half of the loss at the Dallas Cowboys at week four. He got benched because his play had been really bad, but Trey for the win at the Colts was the third highest graded commander's offensive player for pro football focus for the game. Uh, Sadiq Charles, of having dealt with an illness in the days leading up to the game, was active, but he did not play on any of the commander's offensive snaps. He did, though, play on special teams. Sadiq had been the commander's starting right guard for each of the previous three games. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Trey Turner. Um, I was happy for Trey. I've known Trey for a really long time. Um, you know, we he always he he jokes he calls me his cousin because we obviously have the same last name. But um, he. Uh, <laughs> He so, but no. If on a personal level, you know, he did not play well early. He knows he didn't play well early. Um, You know, Sadiq was playing. Sadiq was sick. Trey stepped in um, and really played well. You know, really had a complete game. There's a couple plays that you know he's going to want back. that I mean, I think any any offensive lineman is going to do that. But was physical. He was himself again. Did a really nice job on picking up some stunts, finished blocks, played with an edge that he's kind of known for. Um, so it's good to see that. You know, we he ended up uh, earning a game ball um, for his performance. Um, so I was really happy for him, and it, and it helps us obviously when he plays that way. All right, and one more for you from Scott Turner. So Washington is the third NFL team on which Scott has worked with Taylor Heineke. Their first stint together was with the Minnesota Vikings in 2015 and 2016. Uh, Scott was the Vikings quarterbacks coach from 2014 through 2016. Taylor was signed by the Vikings as an undrafted free agent in 2015. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on his memories of being with Taylor Heineke on the Vikings. So, yeah, we got Taylor's undrafted uh, free agent. I was the quarterback coach, Um, you know, he he's always um you know he's older now i guess he's more mature but he uh <laughs> he now you guys know him but he he he's always you know he's he was exact same as he is now as a player i mean he's just going to go out there and play you know with his hair on fire and uh that's what you you like about him you appreciate about him um he made our team as an undrafted he made our 53 man roster because of the way he performed in the preseason um and it was a lot of you know what you guys see on sunday um you know he's gotten a lot better he's learned you know he's got more experience now I always joke with him that he he made the team because uh, the fifth round receiver was Stephon Diggs and undrafted the guy that was a second or third year guy was Adam Thielen and they were playing with him in fourth in the fourth preseason game and it's like no wonder you look good you know against a bunch of backups you know but uh, but no Taylor uh, he he's you know his style of play has been the same he's just you know he's just learned some and gotten better you know with experience. All right. Well, speaking of experience, uh, you right now have the chance to experience the satisfaction of buying a great home in the Washington, D.C. area at a bargain price. Housing prices are coming down due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates, with others not buying. Now, actually, it's a great time to buy. When everyone else is zigging, you should be, yes, zagging. Uh, Contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L dot com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter 
your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you are ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And know this, Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. See what he can do for you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and book your introductory call with Kellen Hunt. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Big test for the Commander's defense in this game against the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. The Vikings through Week 8 had the following rankings per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. Number 11 in the NFL in total offense. Number 18 in the NFL in passing offense. Okay, but number 4 in the NFL in rushing offense. Uh, the Vikings starting quarterback, in case you have not heard, uh, is former Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins. The Vikings head coach, in case you have not heard, is former Skins offensive assistant Kevin O'Connell, uh, KOC. He, for the 2017 season, was the Skins quarterback's coach. He, for the 2018 season, was the Skins quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. And he, for the 2019 season, was the Skins offensive coordinator. Commander's defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, he on Thursday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. This was Jack on the Vikings offense. I think Kevin's done a great job up there. Um, Kirk's a good player. He's been a good player for a long time. I, I think, um, you know, the combination up there has been really good for them. Uh, the right head coach at the right time for for Kirk in his career. So I think he's excited about that. Uh, they're both excited about that. They're, they're putting a good product out. They're, they're putting points on the board. They're, they're, they're moving the ball. They're getting explosives. So um, they, they can run it. They can throw it. Uh, you know, the boot game and the play action games, it's, it's legit. They, they, they look for chunks. And I just think they're doing a nice job. You know, Kirk's always been able to make all the throws. Yeah, Kirk Cousins through week eight was number 16 among 33 qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR for the 2022 regular season. The commander's injury report for Thursday featured four commander's defensive players. Uh, linebacker Cole Holcomb on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to the foot sprain that had him inactive for the 17-16 win at the Indianapolis Colts last Sunday. So Cole very much in danger of missing a second consecutive game. Uh, linebacker David Mayo on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to a hamstring injury. Edge defender Shaka Tony uh, was in addition to the injury report. He on Thursday was a limited participant in practice due to a calf issue. He wasn't even listed on Wednesday's injury report. And interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen on Thursday was on the injury report with a knee ailment, but he was listed as a full participant 
in practice for a second consecutive day. Meantime, edge defender Chase Young, uh, he has been back practicing with the Commanders since being activated to practice on Wednesday morning and has come back from a torn right ACL that was suffered in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field last November 14th. Uh, him playing on Sunday afternoon against the Vikings seems unlikely, but isn't completely out of the realm of possibility. Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on Chase Young. Look forward to getting him involved uh, as as we go. He's full of energy. Uh, he is, uh, I guess, I guess, chomping at the bit. I mean, he's you know, he he loves football. You know, it's a guy that it's been a year now, uh, or close to it, a complete year. And um, this is a guy that really loves to play the game, loves being around his teammates, and um, so it's great to have his energy back on the field. Well, despite Chase Young having not played at all so far this season, the commander's defensive line has been a strength, right? Uh, Edge defender Montez Sweat has been a big reason why. Interior defensive linemen Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne have been big reasons why. John Allen was the highest graded commander's player for Pro Football Focus for the win at the Colts. Uh, He, for the game, registered an overall grade of 90.1 PFF grades or on a scale of 0 to 100. But a guy who really is starting to get talked about, and for good reason, is interior defensive lineman John Ridgway. Uh, The commanders in their win at the Colts went with a lot of five-man fronts, and so Ridgway ended up playing a lot. He played on 43% of the commanders' defensive snaps. The commanders on September 19th claimed Ridgway off waivers from the Dallas Cowboys, who took him in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Arkansas. Commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his day after the game Zoom press conference on October 14th off the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6. Very complimentary of John Ridgway. And this was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on Ridgway. He's got that size and that ability to to eat up, not just eat up space, but, but come off blocks and make plays as well. So, you know, that's when you're playing with five, you, you you need a guy in the middle that can do that, and and he does it well. That was that was Big Phil's role, you know, until he got hurt. So so he stepped in. Uh, we were fortunate to be able to pick him up uh, on, on waivers and um, added a guy that you know, we liked in the draft coming out, and uh, he's been a, a great addition for us. Yeah, John Ridgway has been the commander's Federian Mathis replacement. Uh, The commanders took Mathis in the second round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Alabama, but he and the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in Week 1 suffered a left knee injury, a reported torn left meniscus. In the first quarter, uh, he underwent surgery on September 16th. He has been on the reserve injured list since September 12th. Uh, More from Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on John Ridgway. Yeah, we knew him in the draft. Saw him in the draft, liked him in the draft. I mean, um, it was to me, it was like we were able to, you know, get a an additional pick, you know, um, you know, to be able to claim him off off waivers was uh, that was a good pickup. Good job by, you know, Marty and Martin and Coach and all that, the guys that uh, are in charge of that. Yeah, I tell you, that commander's September 19th waiver claim of John Ridgway from the Cowboys. Very nice move. Something else to be thinking about with the quality play of the commander's defensive line this season is the coaching staff change. Uh, Remember, Ron Rivera began his post-training camp practice press conference this past August 9th 
by announcing very surprising news. He announced that he had fired Commander's Defensive Line Coach Sam Mills III and promoted Assistant Defensive Line Coach Jeff Scanina to Defensive Line Coach. Uh, Then the Commanders on September 5th announced the hiring of the team's all-time regular season sack king, Ryan Kerrigan, as Assistant Defensive Line Coach. Uh, Jeff Scanina and Ryan Kerrigan certainly seem to be doing good jobs. Uh, The firing of Sam Mills III very much seems to have been the right call. And even long overdue, the players did not seem to take to SM3. Uh, Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on the work of Jeff Scanina. Well, Jeff has to get some credit. I mean, um, the group's responded well to him. Uh, we, we've got it. We've got a good group, but they're they're putting in the work. You know, I mean, uh, the I think you know they're rushing more and more like a group, looking out for one another and awareness of each other and communicating well, and um, and they're stout. I mean, they're, they're they're strong and they're stout. So Jeff's done a good job preparing those guys each week, and um, you know we brought a young guy in that end up playing you know we got him from Dallas uh JR Ridgeway and um you know to bring him along and have him play as big a impact as he did last week in the game you know that's that's got to be a credit to the coach to get him ready so but uh the guys responded well to what what uh Z that's what we call him that's what he's doing yeah Z not Chief Z, Coach Z, Jeff Scanina. Uh, Scanina is spelled Z-G-O-N-I-N-A. I guess Scanina sounds better than Zaganina. <laughs> uh, and then I do want to play this for you from Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon. Him on corner, Benjamin St. Juice. So our guy, the Juice, uh, I think that he's having a nice season. And that's made all the more impressive by the fact that he has gone from being the commander's primary nickel corner to now being one of the team's top two outside corners with the benching and now trading away of William Jackson III. So the role for the Juice has changed, but he has been just fine. Uh, Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on Benjamin St. Juice. He's done great. You know, um, he's matured. Uh, he's He's been... He's been really good, you know, throughout the offseason. You know, we saw growth, and um, you know, we moved him inside and didn't bat an eye and, and really learned a lot. Uh, now we've moved him outside, um, and, and again, he just kind of goes about his business, doesn't say a whole lot. He's uh, very, very professional and, um, and working at it the right way and uh, playing good football for us. Yeah, Benjamin St. Juice doing a really nice job. Uh, Up next, a deep dive on the Vikings with Matthew Caller, the host of a popular Vikings podcast, Purple Insider with Matthew Caller. He also is the founder of PurpleInsider.com. Trust me, you do not want to miss what Matthew has to say about Kirk Cousins. Well, as you surely know, internet security and privacy are major issues. Uh, A great way to ensure internet security and privacy is with a VPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. A VPN is a tool that encrypts your internet traffic and hides your IP address and virtual location. A VPN significantly boosts your online privacy and security. And there's no VPN that's better than NordVPN. 
Uh, the setup is easy. The benefits are many. You can secure your online data from internet thieves and third parties. You won't need to worry about unsecure websites or unsecure apps anymore. You won't need to worry about being on public Wi-Fi anymore. All of your internet traffic will be routed through a remote server so you can access websites that are restricted in your country. Uh, so you can have access to sports from all over the world and can have access to, say, not just the U.S. version of Netflix, but also the United Kingdom's version of Netflix. Uh, also, NordVPN has a threat protection feature that'll mean that you no longer have to worry about intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes the file before it makes a mess of your computer. And NordVPN allows you to secure up to six devices on one account. So here's what you do. Go to nordvpn.com slash algaldi to get your subscription started. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and get a free month. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. nordvpn.com slash algaldi. The 4-4 Commanders host the 6-1 Minnesota Vikings this Sunday afternoon at 1. Time now to find out all that we need to know about the Vikings. And I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Goldie podcast, Matthew Caller, the host of an outstanding Vikings podcast, Purple Insider with Matthew Caller. He also is the founder of Purple Insider Com. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Caller, and Caller is spelled C-O-L-L-E-R. Hey, Matthew, how are you? I am good. Uh, I don't know how exactly the Vikings are 6-1. and one. Is that going to be a question on this podcast? Because I'm not really 100% sure. I've been there for every game, and I've seen it happen. But the fact that it keeps happening, where they win one-score games, where they try everything they can to give it away, but the other team tries harder to give it away, uh, it has been an interesting ride so far. Well, let's get to that. Uh, Vikings 6-1. and one. They've won five consecutive games. Uh, each win during the winning streak has been a one-score win. I'm going to purposely ask you a very vague question. How good is this Vikings team? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the answer is uh, we're not really 100% sure yet how good they are because the one challenge that they faced, and imagine you go this deep into a season and you've faced one challenge, but that's really true because even when they went up against Miami, Miami was missing their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback had also been concussed the previous week and their left tackle was missing and Zadarius Smith just ate them alive in that game. Had Teron Armstead been playing, maybe Miami finds a way to win it, but that's just been the Vikings season. It's just been a charmed year for them. They went to London against New Orleans. They gave up a potential uh, you know, game-tying drive to Andy Dalton at the end and then the field goal double doinks. I mean, it's just been that kind of year. I mean, even with Arizona, Arizona strip sacks Kirk Cousins, as Washington fans would remember, that does happen a lot. And he gets strip sacked in, in his own territory. There's Arizona with a chance to take the lead. They kind of screw it up, throw a couple of interceptions, drop a punt, and then the Vikings win by one score. Did they outplay Arizona for the entire game? Not really. DeAndre Hopkins completely annihilated them. Chris Olave beat them up. Tyree Kill beat them up. Like they've given up tons of yards. 
but they've been on the right side of so many other uh, parts of the game. The, the punting element, the drive, their average drive starts, the best in the league, the turnover ratio is fantastic. And I think that there is something to a lot of these players really stood on the table for a player's coach. And they went to ownership after the season and they said, we want a Kevin O'Connell. This is the type of guy we want. And so as it's, as it's going along here and they're winning these close games, I think us on the outside have seen this many times. It's very easy to attribute it to like randomness. Last year, they lost a bunch of these games. Like that's life, right? In the NFL, the ball is funny shaped. But I think for them, for the players, it's made them really believe in what Kevin O'Connell is selling. So even if on offense and defense, there has been a lot to be desired at times, uh, I think that they can continue to improve because their belief in each other and in their coach is high. And so like, don't try to tell them, hey, guys, I think you've just gotten lucky at a few of these games. Like that, That's not really what they're believing at this moment. And I think that matters. And I also think it matters that when you look around the NFC, yikes. It is not good. Like, who's going to make them stop doing this has been my question. Like, is it that impressive? Not really. But who's in their way? No one in the NFC North. Um, so I think all those things kind of weigh into it. With the Vikings first year head coach, Kevin O'Connell, uh, he was a Redskins offensive assistant for three seasons, 2017 through 2019. It was their offensive coordinator for the 2019 season. Uh, I was a big fan of KOC. What are your impressions of him as Vikings head coach so far? Yeah, I think um, one of the maybe biggest compliments you can give about Kevin O'Connell, and this is going to sound like a backhanded Midwestern Minnesotan compliment, but it's not, is that he has not stepped on his own feet. And so many times with new coaches, Joe Judge, Urban Meyer, Matt Patricia, Matt Rule, guys like you and I who have paid close attention to teams for a long time, you know right away, like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, and with Kevin O'Connell, I think that him being a former NFL player has really helped. Even though he was not a star quarterback, he was a quarterback for Bill Belichick. Right. And he also worked under Sean McVay. And, and I think guys who uh, those are very different people. But, you know, in McVay's case, knows how to reach players as Kevin O'Connell, being a former player, knows what players want, knows what they want to hear. Right. And I, and I think that from day one, even from the very first meeting, like he talked about this the other day that he came in and said, I want to connect with these guys on a very personal level, which, again, to us is easy to roll your eyes. But when you had Mike Zimmer in the past, who was very old school, he was Bill Parcells made like the hardest nose of the hard nose that's probably going to build some trust right away. Like, oh, you're going to believe in us. You're going to listen to us, which, uh, you know, they talked about a collaborative effort. Again, it sounds like a corporate cliche, but when Justin Jefferson felt like he wasn't being moved around enough to different positions or not put in motion enough, and he went to Kevin O'Connell, the next week they did it and it succeeded. And right there is like forged trust. Or when Kirk Cousins comes off the field, instead of Mike Zimmer glaring at him, uh, he has Kevin O'Connell bringing him over, talking over what just happened. How can we improve on it? And really the difference between last year and this year is kind of one drive here or there or one or one pl big play here or there. Uh, Cousins has three game winning drives, which is a bad stat. There's no doubt about it because you have to be losing to have comebacks and fourth quarter drives and everything else. But it's if it's that one drive that's the difference and Kevin O'Connell and his communication is mattering like that, that that can make them from a fringe team that's just missing the playoffs to a team that's in the playoffs.
The thinking with Kevin O'Connell when he was with the Skins was that he could be another Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or Matt LaFleur, you know, a young offensive-minded Skins assistant who becomes a successful NFL head coach. Uh, Does Kevin O'Connell strike you as being along those lines that the Vikings in him have one of these great young offensive-minded head coaches? Um, I'm not convinced of that yet. (laughs) I would say that you know, he, he definitely checks all the boxes, right? Like you said, he comes from Washington. He comes from working with McVay. And we know that if you know Sean McVay, then you are automatically an offensive genius. <laughs> but, I, you know, what? Where here's where I have been impressed by Kevin O'Connell so far. I think at the very beginning of the season, they blow out Green Bay. And it's like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'll just dial up motions and we'll just win all the games. They go to Philadelphia, get humbled a little bit, like, okay, this is actually a little harder than you think. Uh, And also, there's been some times with Kirk Cousins where he has just not been comfortable with what they're doing. Uh, Footballs get thrown where there's no wide receivers because they weren't on the same page. And I think he had been planning so many things for when he got the opportunity to be a head coach that – he wanted to use all of it, right? It's like um, it's like if you uh, wrote a bunch of pickup lines and then you went to the bar looking for your first date and you just tried to use all of them at once. Like, well, why don't you're gonna have to pare down the ones that work? And I, I think what he's started to do is pare down the offense to what works and what works specifically for Kirk Cousins. And what Kirk Cousins needs is a good running game. And I I know that's like not the analytical take, but this is very true for Kirk Cousins and always has been. He needs to be in favorable situations. If you look at them third and long, second and long, like that's, that's doesn't work for Kirk Cousins. He needs to be running play actions, first and 10, second and four, things like that. And, and I think that O'Connell realized that at some point, like you actually do still have to run the football when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. Also, you cannot ask him to make the tight window throws that Matthew Stafford could make. He just will not do it. And everyone in Washington knows this. Deshaun Jackson knows this. Pierre Garçon knows this. He will not throw into tight windows no matter what. And so you have to really pair it to where he's not being asked to do that, where it's not this, all right, all you do is just throw this laser right over the linebacker and right in front of the safety. Like, no, that's not Kirk Cousins. But I think that what you see when you get failed coaches is arrogance. Failed coaches think, my system's amazing. What? What are you doing? It must be your fault, right? But with Kevin O'Connell, we've already seen this adapting to what Kirk Cousins can do best, to what the offensive line does best. They're not a very good pass-blocking group outside of the tackles, but they are a good run-blocking group. So going to being more of a run-and-play action team, which is Again, ironic because that's something Mike Zimmer got criticized for, but it's just right. And and I think that that's what they'll have to do if they're going to improve on offense because right now they're very much mediocre, but continue to lean into the run and create favorable situations for Cousins and play into the schematics that work best with his skill set. And I think the fact that we've already seen Kevin O'Connell do this says good things about his coaching prospects in the future. We're talking Commander's Vikings with Matthew Caller, the host of the Vikings podcast, Purple Insider with Matthew Caller. He also is the founder of PurpleInsider.com. All right, I have delayed the topic enough. Uh, The Vikings starting quarterback, of course, is former Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins. Uh, Matthew, I cannot convey to you enough how much of a hot button topic Kirk was in the Washington, D.C. area for years. Now, personally, I was a big fan. I think that the biggest player personnel screw-up for Washington 
since the franchise's glory days of the 1980s and early 1990s was how the team butchered the Kirk situation. But he is now in his fifth season as a Viking starting quarterback. So his time with the Skins really is ancient history at this point. Uh, how has he done as the Viking starting quarterback? Uh, up until this point, it has been an abject failure. That uh, doesn't have to stay that way, but it has been. Because he joined a team in 2018 that had just gone to the NFC Championship and lost essentially nothing off the roster and gained even Sheldon Richardson. So they got better uh, with their roster in 2018, and they missed the playoffs. Uh, 2019, they were a six seed. They pulled off an upset in the first round, but never were a legitimate contender. Um, just w- one good game from Cousins in the playoffs, and then the next week he throws for 160 yards Um, Anytime the running game has been taken away, so has Kirk Cousins, essentially. They've never been able to lean into him, and he's been one of the, if not the most expensive quarterback in the league every single year. Um, If he had played better, Mike Zimmer would still be here. You can blame a bunch of different things, as we always do with Kirk. And this is the thing with Kirk, and you guys know this better than anyone. It's the defense. It's this injury. It's this coach. It's this. It's that. It's it's everything. It's, It's always something. And it's like, well, at some point we need to point to the guy who's making a ton of money and cannot elevate anyone around him. And the the ironic part of it is he's playing some of his worst football I've seen him play. And they're six and one. But his quarterback rating is 90. He he has has not had the same juice on his fastball. Uh, I mean, we talked about throwing into tight windows, but even just making the throws in general, there's a lot of balls that have kind of floated on him. He's averaging six and a half yards an attempt, which usually Cousins is pretty efficient in his yards per attempt. And they're paying top dollar for the same type of production that you could get from Marcus Mariota. I mean, so I think that that's always been tied in where it's like, well, you know, people argue over Kirk because people who love him look at his statistics, but this this thing exists in real life it doesn't exist in a box score it exists in a salary cap it exists in the context of a team and also in a skill set which is just short of what the great quarterbacks can do but yet you pay him like a great quarterback um so from that perspective they saw the roster because of cousins contract in part not entirely as it never is entirely but in part they saw it fall apart, their entire roster that was so good from 2017 in a matter of three years, and he could not take them to the next level. And a lot of those stats were put up in the last two years when the team was losing uh, and you know, coming from down two scores because the defense wasn't playing as well because all the money went to Kirk Cousins. And uh, I think that you know, we, we try to construct a lot of different scenarios where it has to work. And I think that this year is the, the very scenario. They're great on special teams. They've caused tons of turnovers. They've got a coach who loves them. They've got Justin Jefferson, who is the most unstoppable human being in the league. And, and yet still you look at their numbers and they're like 10th in passing expected points added. You're like, okay, well, that's, that's all right. You know, he's whatever toward the middle of the league in QBR, you know, nothing is all that impressive still, even when you're playing your best ball. So I think that what cousins needs for the rest of this year, I mean, they need a 12 or 13 win season to really justify having ever brought Kirk cousins here. And even then you're like, well, it took five years in order for this to happen. Um, So, so there's really a lot of pressure on him. I think for like that entire decision to bring him here for what they can make out of a year where it finally has all gone their way. Uh, Well, here's another Kirk Cousins question for you. How has Kirk been viewed by his Vikings teammates? Uh, Now, that one is more complicated um, because 
through the years, that's been a thing. As I know, it was a thing in Washington as well. Kirk Cousins is never going to be a leader. He's never going to be like Mike Zimmer pleaded with Kirk Cousins. Please lead my football team. Please, in any way possible, through the media at times, he'd be at the podium saying, I'm asking Kirk to be more of a leader, to connect with his teammates, to, to be the guy, you know, to, to be the, uh, the alpha dog or whatever, right? That's never him. It's never going to be him. And at any time where Cousins is playing well or he wins, his teammates try super hard. Like they, they've started putting chains on him this year after they win, which is hilarious to everybody. But it's also like, yeah, because Kirk's kind of like a nerdy guy. He doesn't really, you know, like, right. Like that's why it's funny because he drives a van or whatever. Right. I mean, so there's there's always been a separation. And one of the reasons I think is because Cousins views himself as his own business, just like you and me. Uh, we're kind of our own businesses. And I think that Kirk looks at it that way, too. But I also think that other dudes, when you're talking about the baddest guys on the planet here, the toughest, the fastest, the most competitive, and you put them in a locker room with a guy who views himself and has called himself a CEO. I mean, so like when you get that vibe from him and, you know, there were times, too, where they would lose close games and it wasn't his fault. Like the defense gave up a, a final drive or something. And the minute after the game is over, Kirk smiling, high five and the other team and whatever. And, and people would just be like. Dude, do you care if you win or not? Has always been a question with Kirk. And 6-1 and one does not wash away everything that's happened there. I do think that Kevin O'Connell empowering him matters. And it matters how O'Connell is viewing him versus how Zimmer views him. Think about if you have a parent with four kids and the parent is always telling you that little Tommy is doing something wrong. The other kids will probably turn on little Tommy too, right? So that's not how O'Connell is handling it, but it is with Zimmer. So Zimmer was saying it's, it's Kirk's fault. Kirk, we're paying him and he's not your leader and everything else. I think it does matter that O'Connell has tried his best uh, to do that for Cousins. But, you know, there's been a lot of people who have walked away being like, we just we just can't win with that guy. And a lot of people who walk away saying he he won't take a risk when he needs to take a risk because he doesn't want to mess up his stats because he doesn't want to screw up the next contract. And all those things have been said that were said in Washington that are that are said here. And the only thing that can make all of that go away is if they continue to win. It's so funny hearing you say all of this because it's like stepping in a time machine and going back five years to Kirk Cousins time with the Redskins. Uh, big move by the Vikings this week, the acquisition of tight end TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions on NFL trade deadline day on Tuesday. What was the thinking behind the move and what does he bring to the Vikings offense? Yeah, first of all, I mean, Irv Smith Jr., their starting tight end, is out for basically the rest of the season, so they need to do something uh, because Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne have not fit very well in this offense, which kind of goes to the Kevin O'Connell part where it's like a lot of his things are working, but I'm not ready to say the next great offensive genius because Thielen and, and Osborne were pretty effective last year, and Irv Smith has been effective in the past, and none of them have really worked. It has been the Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook offense, and that is really it. Um, so I think they needed somebody else also to be a security blanket for Kirk Cousins. There's probably a part of them, and maybe it's not intentional, but they couldn't have missed the fact that TJ Hawkinson is really good after the catch and that Kirk Cousins loves to throw it short to the tight end for four yards. And so like, can the guy break some tackles afterward and help out, right? Like maybe he can. Um, I think there's, a, there's, there's multiple layers to it though. There's the injury. There's the fact that TJ Hawkinson is 25. 
Um, the tight ends are not that expensive. Usually uh, his uh, fifth year option is like $9 million for next year. So you get him for this year and next year. And they were one of the worst teams in the entire NFL when targeting tight ends so far this season. Part of that's just Irv Smith has been so injured. He's never really come back. He's never really fit in this offense. So uh, they needed an, an extra weapon to give them something. And I think this was the best available option. Um, a lot of us thought that they would go for someone like Brandon Cooks, but I think even like financially, TJ Hawkinson makes a lot of sense sort of for now and later. And Quasi Adafalmensa, the Vikings GM, has also made it clear that he doesn't want to do things that are just for this year. But so this one does have a little extra element to it, but it really comes down to they gave up kind of a lot and pushed the chips to the middle of the table. On, on this season, which I think was the right thing to do. If you start six and one, we could talk about how flawed this part or that part of the team is. You start six and one, you've got a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and you should take every shot at that. Everyone loves draft capital. Oh my gosh, the internet loves draft capital. If you told the internet that they traded a good player for a fourth round pick, they'd be like, awesome. But you, you play to win the game. And so uh, the fact that when you have a chance, and I'm totally for teams who rebuild at the right times and stuff, but when you have a chance, you have to go for it. Don't hoard on, onto your uh, draft capital for the future. So this is pretty much a go-for-it move for the Vikings. One more for you. The Vikings' defense this season. What has been good? Uh, what hasn't been good? What's been good is Zadarius Smith. My goodness. That man is a beast. I mean, he, he is just hes just everything. He can line up anywhere. He can rush against anybody. He's got great technique, great power a great motor, like everything about him is as advertised. It's what he was in 2019 for Green Bay. It's one of the best signings in the entire NFL. Everyone was worried about his health and he's been a little banged up, but when he's at his best, he is taking over games. That's good for them. And Delvin Tomlinson, who you would be familiar with from the uh, NFC East, he's been very good, but now he's banged up. And that's going to be a major problem for them. The rest is all suspects. Patrick Peterson has been fantastic as sort of a, uh, a renaissance man at 32 years old, reinventing himself in his career. But the rest of it is pretty questionable. I mean, they, uh, the, the secondary is giving up huge chunks of yards. If you have a top receiver like Terry McLaurin, your expectation should be this guy goes for 150. They are playing two deep safeties, but the, like too deep is like also descriptive, like, just too deep. Like they're, they're allowing people to get one-on-one -on -one matchups, get open underneath and just get yards on yards on yards. And they've basically relied on the opposing quarterback screwing up, which has happened. But that also does happen when you face Jared Goff, Andy Dalton, even Kyler Murray is prone to mistakes. Um, not that I'm saying Taylor Heineke isn't, but you know, when you face Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, as they're going to have to going down the stretch here, I think they're in for a bit of a different story with the opposing quarterbacks. So they've kind of hexed the other teams a little bit on defense. But when you look at the yardage versus the points scored, the yardage is really more descriptive of who they've been. And the point scored is more descriptive of kind of luck. I think it's a bad defense without Delvin Tomlinson because I don't believe they can stop the run without him and it's I mean this kind of goes to the Kirk stuff where it's like you're not gonna have a good defense it's kind of on you to go win these games down the stretch and make this six and one uh, start into something because Cousins has had other stretches in his career where he's five and one or, or seven and two and yet it always seems to come back to the pack and the defense often gets blamed for it. It's like, well, you don't have a good defense again, so they're going to have to you know, find a way to work around it.
All right. Excellent insight on the Vikings from Matthew Caller, the host of a really good Vikings podcast, Purple Insider with Matthew Caller. He also is the founder of PurpleInsider.com. Matthew, this was fun. Uh, Thanks a lot for your time and all the best to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And up next, my rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Vikings. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, if you would like to sponsor the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price, uh, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Well, we now are in the month of November. And if you know the history of Commander's head coach Ron Rivera, you know that this is when he traditionally does his best work. Uh, Ron, as an NFL head coach, has an overall regular season record of 94-86-1. He, in September and October, regular season games as an NFL head coach is 40-48-1. He, in November, December, and January, regular season games as an NFL head coach is 54 and 38 his 4-4 four and four Commanders host the 6-1 and one Minnesota Vikings this Sunday afternoon at 1. The Commanders have won three consecutive games. The Vikings have won five consecutive games. How does it be that the Commanders continue their winning streak and end the Vikings' winning streak? My friends, it is that time. The time to rhyme. It is time for Rhyming Keys. My keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Oh, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. These rhymes, in fact, are quite bad. Uh, But the rhymes are meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment. The worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Vikings. How do the commanders win this game? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one. This is for the commander's defensive line. If you want Kirk Cousins to be beat, then make sure that there's trash at his feet. 
The last time that Washington played the Vikings in a regular season game at FedEx Field was in November 2017, a 38-30 Redskins loss to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins was the Skins starting quarterback at the time, and he, during his postgame press conference for that game, gave us one of his classic Kirkisms. I just felt some trash at my feet. Yes, trash at his feet. Uh, Now, understand the context of that. Kirk was talking about a key interception that he threw in that game and how he was pressured on the play. Trash at his feet. Uh, This was during the 2017 season, a season in which the Skins offensive line was ravaged by injury. Yes, Kirk was feeling trash at his feet, but that's not something that a quarterback should harp on during a postgame press conference, especially in a season in which his offensive line has been wrecked by injury. And, you know, the line is doing the best that it can. I just felt some trash at my feet. Yes, Kirk, we know. Uh, Well, the commander's defensive line is having a terrific season. Let's this Sunday afternoon unload trash at Kirk Cousins' feet. Uh, The commanders through week eight were number four in the NFL in pressure percentage per sport radar for the 2022 regular season. The commanders have been quite good at generating trash at the feet of quarterbacks. And one thing that we know about Kirk is that he will fumble. Uh, Now, Kirk in this 2022 regular season only has two fumbles, but he over the previous four regular seasons, 2018 through 2021, totaled 40 fumbles. Yes, 40 fumbles over the previous four regular seasons. And so, rhyming key, number one, this for the commander's defensive line. If you want Kirk Cousins to be beat, then make sure that there's a trash at his feet I just felt some trash at my feet. Yes, we got it, Kirk. We got it. Uh, Rhyming key for Commander's Vikings number two. This for the Commander's entire defense. Don't let Double J have his way. And don't get shook by Dalvin Cook. The Vikings have a number of impressive skill position players, especially with the team having traded for Detroit Lions tight end TJ Hawkinson this past Tuesday, which was 2022 NFL trade deadline day. But clearly the Vikings' top two skill position players are receiver Justin Jefferson and running back Dalvin Cook. In a time at which there are so many good receivers in the NFL, Jefferson may be the best receiver in the NFL. He, through week eight, had the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number three in receiving yards, 752. Number two among receivers in the NFL in yards after catch per ESPN, 332. Number eight among all qualified receivers in the NFL in Football Outsiders DVOA metric for receiving. Uh, The commander's Terry McLaurin, by the way, was number six. Uh, The commander's secondary has a major test on Sunday afternoon and covering Justin Jefferson. And then with Dalvin Cook, he really has become one of the best running backs in the NFL. Cook through week nine was number nine in the NFL in rushing yards for the 2022 regular season at 561. He's averaging 4.92 yards per carry. The commander's run defense overall has been good this season, but the run defense was not good 
in the Commanders' last game, the 17-16 win at the Indianapolis Colts last Sunday. The Commanders in that game allowed Colts running backs Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and Deion Jackson and receiver Paris Campbell to combine for 23 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. And so rhyming key, number two, this for the commander's entire defense. Don't let Double J have his way, and don't get shook by Dalvin Cook. Rhyming key for commander's Vikings, number three, this for commander's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. Try for big strikes against the Vikes. Uh, I talked about this a bit during Thursday's show, episode 435, the conservative nature of Scott Turner's play calling in the win at the Colts over the first three quarters. Quarterback Taylor Heineke was great over the commander's final two offensive drives in the game. He was accurate. He was efficient. He was clutch. We saw the commanders over those two drives use some no huddle, go up tempo, throw the ball a lot, all with significant success. Why can't we see that more often? Why does the offense have to move so slowly and operate so conservatively and do next to nothing for so much of the game? And yes, I get that the Colts defense allowed the commanders to do some of the things that the team did over its final two offensive drives in the game. Taylor talked about that during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, but the overly conservative nature of the commander's offense I thought was a problem in the win at the Colts. And, you know, especially facing a team like the Vikings that can score points, I do think that you have to be a bit more bold on offense uh, and understand that the Vikings defense can be had. The Vikings through week eight had the following rankings per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. Number 21 in the NFL in total defense. Number 22 in the NFL in pass defense, and number 16 in the NFL in run defense. Uh, Also, the Vikings through week eight were just 28th out of 32 NFL teams in fewest yards allowed per play in the 2022 regular season. The Vikings defense is nothing special. It can be had, so let's have it. You can't win every game 17-15 or 17-16, although I would gladly take a 17-15 or 17-16 win this Sunday afternoon. But rhyming key number three, this for Scott Turner, try for big strikes against the Vikes. And one more, it is number four. Rhyming key for Commander's Vikings, number four. This for the entire Commander's team. This wild week has been no bore, but your mojo is rising, and so run the winning streak to four. If you have been a fan of the team currently known as the Commanders, you know that there have been many wild and crazy days, and thus many wild and crazy weeks. This ongoing week, though, has been something, with the biggest item, of course, being the bombshell on Wednesday morning that the Snyders, the Snyders, are open to selling the team. When you combine that news with the fact that the Commanders are on a three-game winning streak, it does feel like some, dare I say it, positive momentum is building, does it not? It does feel like some good vibes are being accumulated, does it not? The NFL is a week-to-week league, we all know that, so get back to me on Monday if the positive momentum and good vibes still are in effect, but this game for the Commanders against the Vikings is a major opportunity for not just a big win, but also for an exclamation mark to a monster week. The kind of week 
that can re-energize a fan base. Commanders fans are giddy over the news of the Snyders potentially selling the team. Let's recognize the moment. Take advantage of the opportunity. Play a smart and well-executed game and increase the giddiness. And so rhyming key number four, this for the entire Commanders team, this wild week has been no bore, but your mojo is rising. And so run the winning streak 2-4. All right, it is prediction time. The Commanders per win bet as of very early Friday morning were plus three. Uh, I actually do not feel great about this game. Uh, I certainly think that the Commanders can win the game, but the Vikings figure to score some points, and that's not something that our team is very good at. Uh, I mean, the Vikings in the 2022 regular season have scored 31 more points than the Commanders have scored, despite having played one fewer game than the Commanders have played. Think about that. And so I am taking the Vikings minus the three. Final score, Vikings 27, Commanders 20. And I will be rooting like heck to be wrong. And speaking of me being wrong, (laughs) time for Goldilocks. And yes, we move now to college football. Believe it or not, this is week 10 of the 2022 college football season. And I do have Goldilocks for you, my previews and picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and at least for now, Liberty. Uh, We have a rule with Goldilocks. You are welcomed into the Goldilocks family with open arms if you are a team in the mid-Atlantic region that becomes ranked. Uh, Well, Liberty now is ranked. Uh, The Flames are the number 23 team in the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll, which came out this past Sunday afternoon, although Liberty was not in the season's first college football playoff rankings, uh, which came out this past Tuesday night. Now, Goldilocks have been a disaster this season. The record is an atrocious 9-23-1. I can't even say that with a straight face, but this is a loaded Week 10 for college football in the Mid-Atlantic region. To say nothing of this being an oh-so-juicy Week 10 nationally, I mean, how about what we have in the SEC on Saturday afternoon? Number one, Tennessee, at number three, Georgia, at 3.30. That, my friends, should be fun. But here we go. Goldilocks for Week 10. All point spreads are from WinBet and are as of very early Friday morning. Goldilocks game number one, Maryland at Wisconsin, Saturday at noon. The Terrapins are plus five. Uh, Both the Terps and the Badgers are coming off bye weeks, and the Terps are getting back starting quarterback Talia Tungavailoa. He did not play in the Terps' previous game, the 31-24 win over Northwestern at CQ Stadium in College Park, Maryland on October 22nd due to an aggravated sprained right MCL that he suffered in the 38-33 win at Indiana the previous Saturday, October 15th. But Talia is expected to be the Terps' starting quarterback for this game at Wisconsin. Terps are 6-2 and two overall and 3-2 and two in the Big Ten. Wisconsin is 4-4 four and four overall and 2-3 and three in the Big Ten. The Badgers have an interim head coach, Jim Leonard. A Wisconsin fired head coach, Paul Christ, 
in early October. But a big question for this game, in addition to how Talia will do in his return, is how the Terps' defense will do against what is a capable Wisconsin offense. Badgers quarterback Graham Mertz, 17 touchdown passes versus six interceptions, and he has posted a total QBR per ESPN of at least 80 in two of his last three games. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, Badgers running back Braylon Allen through week nine was 14th in the FBS in rushing yards this season, 870. He's averaging 5.84 yards per carry. And how about this? Wisconsin this season has a red zone touchdown scoring percentage of 80.8. That through week nine ranked number three in the FBS. Uh, The Terps defense is coming off a very mixed performance in the win over Northwestern. A big key to that win was Terps running back Roman Hemby. He had 24 carries for 179 yards and three touchdowns. He averaged 7.46 yards per carry. This game on Saturday could come down to Hemby versus Braylon Allen. Give me Maryland plus five. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Snoop Dogg. Goldilocks game number two, Liberty at Arkansas, Saturday afternoon at four. The Flames, they are plus 14 and a half. Are they about to get humbled big time? Or are they gonna again shock the world? You know, Liberty is coming off a bye week. The team's last game, a stunning 41-14 blowout of BYU at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on October 22nd. The Flames, who are an independent, improved to 7-1 overall. So Liberty has been playing its third-string quarterback. The guy who was supposed to be Liberty's starting quarterback this season, Charlie Brewer, uh, he has been out since suffering a broken hand in Liberty's season opener. The Flames at QB2, Caden Salter, was out for a third consecutive game due to a groin injury for which he underwent surgery. And so Third-string quarterback Jonathan Bennett has been Liberty's starting quarterback for the team's last three games, although he this week has been sick. The Flames for this game at Arkansas could be down to their fourth-string quarterback. Not ideal headed into a game at an SEC team like Arkansas. Uh, Liberty does have a very good running back, Day-Day Hunter. Uh, He had a monster game in that route of BYU. 23 carries for 213 yards and a touchdown. 9.26 yards per carry. And he had four receptions for 31 yards on four targets. Uh, Liberty last Friday afternoon, October 28th, announced big news, a contract extension for head coach Hugh Freeze through the 2030 season. Hugh Freeze was Ole Miss's head coach for five seasons, 2012 through 2016, and he and his team on Saturday are facing an SEC team in the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Uh, they are 5-3 and three overall and 2-3 and three in the SEC, with all three losses being to SEC teams that were ranked in the AP poll at the time. Uh, Arkansas's defense isn't very good, but the Razorbacks' offense is good. Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson, through week nine, was number 12 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR for this season. Arkansas running back Raheem Sanders, through week nine, was number six in the FBS in rushing yards this season at 1,041. He's averaging 6.67 yards per carry this season. Give me Arkansas, minus 14 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. game number three, Virginia, home to number 17, North Carolina, 
Saturday at noon, the Cavaliers are plus seven. By the way, that ranking for the Tar Heels is their ranking in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, The Cavs are coming off a game (laughs) that set back college football by about 100 years. Uh, Wahoo-wah fell to three and five overall and one and four in the ACC with a 14-12 quadruple overtime loss to Miami at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia last Saturday afternoon. Uh, This was a game that so needed to end, but that refused to end. Uh, The game was brutal. Neither team scored a touchdown the entire game, and this was a quadruple overtime game. Uh, The Wahoos offense, again, not good. They did not score a touchdown on any of four red zone possessions. The Hoos went just 5-16 on third downs. UVA's offense this season has been so bad, Uh, Although UVA's defense has been playing pretty well, North Carolina is the exact opposite and to a greater extreme, outstanding offense, terrible defense. Uh, The Tar Heels improved to 7-1 overall and and 4-0 in the ACC with a 42-24 win over Pitt last Saturday night as UNC quarterback Drake May continued to kill it. 34-44 for 388 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. And he had 14 official carries for 61 yards despite taking two sacks. Drake May this season, 29 touchdown passes versus three interceptions. A yards per pass attempt of 9.71. A completion percentage of 71.3. He threw week nine, was number four among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR for this season at 90.2. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. This guy's total QBR, 90.2. He is doing quite well as the successor to current Commanders quarterback Sam Howell as UNC's QB1. Give me North Carolina, minus seven. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Goldilocks game number four, Virginia Tech, home to Georgia Tech, Saturday afternoon at 1230. The Hokies are minus three. Uh, Virginia Tech last played now two Thursday nights ago, October 27th, and oh, what could have been for Virginia Tech. It fell to two and six overall and one and four in the ACC with a 22-21 loss at then number 24 NC State. The Hokies blew a 21-3 third quarter lead. The Hokies were the Chokies. Uh, This was a strange game. Tech trailed at the half 3-0, then won the third quarter 21-7, and then lost the fourth quarter 12-0. But the bottom line is this, the loss gave Virginia Tech its first five-game losing streak since 1992 and made it so that Tech had lost every game in a month of October for the first time since 1952. This is a rough, brutal season for first-year head coach Brent Pry. Uh, the Hokies, again, were woeful offensively. The Hokies had 13 accepted penalties for 69 yards. Ten of the 13 accepted penalties were full start penalties. Uh, the Hokies totaled just 293 total net yards of offense. Incredibly, 251 of the 293 yards came in the third quarter. Uh, the Hokies went 1 of 11 on third downs. Uh, Tech quarterback, the Marshall transfer, Grant Wells, had a bizarre game. He completed just 11 of his 22 pass attempts, took four sacks, but he threw for 243 yards a touchdown and no interceptions. He averaged 11.05 yards per pass attempt and 22.09 
yards per completion. Uh, he also had two third quarter touchdown runs, but Tech's running game did very little. Tech running backs Malachi Thomas and Jalen Holston combined for 14 carries for just 35 yards. Thomas left the game due to injury. Running back Keyshawn King did not play due to injury. And the Hokies defense, while it did a lot of good things, also allowed NC State quarterback MJ Morris, who had been the Wolfpack's third string quarterback, to come into the game for a benched Jack Chambers and light it up 20 of 29 for 265 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech, they are just 3-5 and five overall and 2-3 and three in the ACC. They have scored a total of just 25 points over the team's last two games, a 16-9 home loss to Virginia on October 20th and a 41-16 loss at Florida State last Saturday. The Jackets overall this season have been pretty good defensively, or at least had been pretty good defensively, but they, like the Hokies, are not good offensively. Tech versus Tech on Saturday. Do not expect offensive fireworks. That said, I will take Virginia Tech minus three. Make money, money, make money, money, money. And Goldilocks game number five, Navy at Cincinnati, Saturday afternoon at four. The midshipmen are plus 18 and a half. Uh, they improved to three and five overall and three and three in the American Athletic Conference with a 27-20 overtime win over Temple at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland last Saturday. The big news for Navy in this game was what happened at quarterback. Navy quarterback Ty Lovatai in the first quarter suffered what head coach Ken Niamatololo during his postgame press conference called a season-ending injury. Uh, and so we saw a good bit of backup quarterback, Xavier Arline, in the game. Arline, on the first offensive drive of the second half, had a lost fumble that was returned for a touchdown. But he did score the game-winning touchdown, which was a second-and-eight, 23-yard under-center triple option touchdown run in overtime. But Navy's offense overall was not good. The Mids generated just 224 total net yards of offense, averaged a mere 3.11 yards per play, uh, went just 8 of 21 on third downs. The Mids totaled two pass attempts the entire game. Navy's defense was good against uh, what is a terrible offensive team in Temple. Uh, the Bearcats of Cincinnati, not a great offensive team, but they are a very good defensive team. Cincinnati is 6-2 and two overall and 3-1 and one in the American Athletic Conference. I don't know how much this means, but Navy did play Cincinnati very tough last season. October 23rd, 2021, a 27-20 loss to then number two Cincinnati at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, uh, facing the number two team in the Associated Press Poll as a 28-point underdog or thereabouts. The Mids actually led in the second quarter 10-7 and won the fourth quarter 10-0. The Mids did a very good job against then Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter, held them to just 176 yards on 30 pass attempts. Uh, the Mids have a knack for rising to the occasion when you least expect. Give me Navy plus 18 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. All right, Snoop. And so your Goldilocks for week 10, Maryland plus five, Arkansas minus 14 and a half, North Carolina minus seven, Virginia Tech minus three, and Navy plus 18 and a half. Also on Saturday, James Madison at Louisville, Saturday night at 7.30, and Old Dominion home to Marshall, Saturday afternoon at 2.
Well, the Capitals played a game on Thursday night. It does not appear as if they suffered any more injuries. Uh, that's a good thing, but the Caps did lose the game. Uh, they fell to 5-5-2, and a 3-1 loss at the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, the Caps are reeling right now in terms of being without players due to injury. The Caps for this game on Thursday night were without seven players due to injury, including an injury replacement. Uh, Ford Beck Malenstein did not play due to an upper body injury that he suffered in the Caps' previous game, the 3-2 overtime loss to the Vegas Golden Knights at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. But we on Thursday night had yet another milestone goal for forward Alex Ovechkin. So Ovi on Thursday night had a second period even strength goal and a game high nine total shot attempts. He did commit a second period tripping minor, but his goal was a special goal. Uh, Ovechkin's goal was his 786th career NHL regular season goal, moving him into a tie with Red Wings legend Gordie Howe for the most regular season goals scored with one franchise in NHL history. So how about that? Ovi tied Red Wings legend Gordie Howe in a game at the Red Wings. Uh, Also, the goal was Ovechkin's 400th career NHL regular season goal in a road game, moving him to within two of tying Wayne Gretzky for the most NHL regular season goals in road games in league history. It is truly remarkable, the career that Alex Ovechkin has had. This was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night on Alex Ovechkin tying Gordie Howe for the most regular season goals scored with one franchise in NHL history. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's an incredible record. Not, not many people will do that, play that long for an organization, certainly not score that many goals. Um, you know, I wish it could have been in a, in a winning effort for him, but um, incredible feat. Yeah, as for the rest of the game for the Caps on Thursday night, uh, the Caps had a bad game on special teams, 0-4 on the power play, just 2-3 on the penalty kill. The Caps did win the puck possession battle. Caps for natural stat trick had 45 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Red Wings 34. Uh, Caps had 34 shots on goal to the Red Wings 26. And the Caps continued to get good goaltending. Uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper stopped 23 of the 25 shots on goal that he faced, so he was good for a third consecutive start. Next up for the Caps, home to the Arizona Coyotes, Saturday night at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 437, will feature in-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens for the 4-4 four and four Commanders in their game against the 6-1 and one Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. I'll talk college football week 10 of our loaded Saturday, Maryland at Wisconsin Saturday at noon, Liberty at Arkansas Saturday afternoon at 4, Virginia home to number 17, North Carolina Saturday at noon, Virginia Tech home to Georgia Tech Saturday afternoon at 12.30, Navy at Cincinnati Saturday afternoon at 4, 
for James Madison at Louisville Saturday night at 7.30 and Old Dominion home to Marshall Saturday afternoon at 2. And I on Monday's show will talk Wizards and Capitals. Two games for the Wiz this weekend. Home to the Brooklyn Nets. Boy, have they had an interesting week. Uh, Friday night at 7 and at the Memphis Grizzlies Sunday evening at 6. The Caps have a game on Saturday night. Home to the Arizona Coyotes at 7. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday. And I'll talk to you on Monday. I just felt some trash at my feet. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.